Welcome back to the Contemporary Controversy Podcast. My name is Chad and I am the host of this show. I'm excited to be back and talk about the topic that has been dwelling on my heart over the past month. We are going to be talking about recovery and the stigma of recovery that comes with that. Now, this is something that happens on a regular basis to where Christians often don't know how to navigate some of these waters because whenever they hear the word recovery or somebody maybe who's an addict or, or whatnot, it's almost like there's this bubble around that person and they think that they can't relate to that person or individual because they don't deal with the big sin. Um, so today I really want to uh, show that we all are in recovery. We're all in recovery from something or another. Um, maybe it's not porn, maybe it's not these other things, but we'll dive into some of the things that you may be struggling with or maybe you are recovering from on a day-to-day basis. Um, and we will just do our best. I will do my best and try to allow the Lord to speak through me on how we deal with this. So with that being said, let's get this started. Hi. My name's Chad. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from sexual sin and a long list of other things. These are things that I would say on a Tuesday night at recovery group at Regeneration. You may ask, well, what is Regeneration? Well, Regeneration is a 12-step Christian recovery program, and it's about a year-long process. You start off in what's called Groundworks, which is about a um, six-week step um, book. Here, I've got a book right in front of me, so it's called Groundworks. Um, so basically, kind of lays down the foundation of what recovery is. Uh, once you finish the uh, Groundworks book, you'll be placed in what's called a steps group. Well, once you get placed into a steps group, then you start this year-long journey of diving through different steps. Um, obviously, there's 12 different steps that come with the program. I'm trying to get that open right now, but uh, it's basically a um, a step-by-step process of basically how to live a life of recovery. Uh, I'll just quickly list off some of the 12 steps. Step one, uh, admit. Step two, believe. Step three, trust. Step four, inventory. Step four, step five, confess. Step six, repent. Step seven, follow. Step eight, forgive. Step 9, amends. Step 10, continue. Step 11, intimacy. And step 12, regenerate. So there's 12 different steps and all of them have different meanings, obviously, um, which I won't break down all of this, but I will put a link uh, in the description below just kind of uh, to show what regeneration is about and just in case maybe some of you want to hear testimonies that other people have been through. Um uh, region. Um, and I love region so much. Uh, region has played a huge part of my life. Uh, just because, um, the thing that I love about region is region. Uh, I guess for those of you who may not be super familiar with that term, um, regeneration is very similar to celebrate recovery in some ways. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is also known as a recovery program and obviously has a good reputation as well. Um, But Regen, before it became Regen, it was Celebrate Recovery. And based on my understanding of people, uh, the reason they transitioned to a different name and all that 
is because with Celebrate Recovery, the way it's set up is they separate you into groups. And so if you're somebody who deals with sexual sin or alcohol, whatever, they'll kind of break you up in different groups. Well, a region, they don't do that. They, they lump everyone together. So it's like whether or not you're maybe you're dealing with sexual sin and then the next guy next to you is dealing with uh, shame or pride or anxiety or maybe it is drugs or maybe it is alcohol. Um, there's no splitting up. And I really like that about region specifically just because they don't put a stigma on one particular issue. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. I think that they do a great job at allowing that stigma to be thrown out the window and allowing um, for people to just come who are just sinners in need of God's grace, in need of uh, help from the Lord to begin to recover. You see, we're all in this sanctification process. Sanctification is basically a process of regeneration of the heart and mind uh, to become more like Christ. Uh, it's It's a rewiring of our minds so that we can become like Christ. And that's the purpose. So more than anything, uh, obviously, the way Regen is set up is you go to a group every week. Uh, somebody gives a testimony, or maybe we just spend time in worship. And then we split off. Guys and girls go into separate areas. And um, we go off, and we basically confess our sins with one another um, and are there for support, encouragement. Uh, we discuss what the Lord's been doing. We discuss things that maybe we've worked on our workbook, but we're just normal guys and girls who are um, there for uh, a certain reason, uh, something that, that we just seem to have a hard time breaking cycles on. Uh, maybe it's one thing, you're breaking a cycle and then you're caught up in another cycle. You're, there's always something else. Uh, but we speak openly about issues that are going on in our life, uh, things that um, could that dominate our life. And um, in some essence, we realize we need help. Um, this could be a range from, I indulged in porn or lustful thoughts this week. I was filled with anxiety and worry. I was prideful. I was critical. I was angry. I was greedy. I was doubtful. I was manipulative. I was a glutton. I was full of hate. I was unforgiving. I was full of envy. I was consumed by work. I was a drunk. I consumed TV. I didn't treat my family well. I didn't treat my wife well. I didn't treat my kids well. Maybe it's, I, I have jealousy for the people around me. Maybe it's comparison. Maybe it's um, one of the things that's listed within uh, Galatians. Is there idolatry in your life? Do you idolize sports more than you do the Lord? Do you idolize people more than you do the Lord? Do you idolize um, entertainment more than the Lord? Uh, maybe it's idolizing yourself. Maybe you're putting yourself on this pedestal and you think that you are everything. Uh, sorcery, in enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries dissensions, divisions. You know, I know some people out there might be wanting to check out with certain things, such as porn. Porn is a very common issue in today's culture. Um, as someone who has dealt with it, um, and even to this day, still deal with it, 
uh, I can say that there's guys and girls out there who deal with it. Now, I know there's a stigma that guys deal with it more than girls. Well, as culture has progressed, more and more women are beginning to deal with this issue as well. Uh, But let's say you're one of those guys, you're like, I don't look at porn, I don't sleep around, I don't do any of that, so therefore, like, I'm good and lust is not an issue. Well, I want to fight back against that some. And I also want to fight back against the guy who maybe says, I don't deal with anger, I don't have fits of rage, or or I don't have um, an alcoholic problem. Well, let's push back against that, because Jesus has pointed out through Scripture multiple times that everything begins with the heart. He says that if any man looks at a woman with lust, he's committed adultery in his heart. Well, that broadens the picture quite a bit. It's not just a physical action now. It's not a physical, intimate action with another woman or a man. Now it becomes a heart issue. Now it becomes my eyes have strayed off and looked at another woman. Maybe you're a guy that, you know, guys deal with masturbation, women deal with this same issue as well. And I know that may be uncomfortable for some people to talk about, but it's a reality of what people deal with. Um, And some of us can be defined by those very things. Now, if you're a guy that says you don't deal with lust, or you're a girl that says you don't deal with lust, let's take a step back and evaluate things that we may do that could acquire lust. Ask yourself, am I one that scrolls through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, whatever it may be, maybe flipping through channels, and the moment I see a a beautiful man or woman, I stop and I stare and I allow myself to soak it up and I get a glimmer of it and then I turn it off because it's not that big of a deal because I didn't watch porn. I didn't go sleep around with someone. I didn't do any of that. It doesn't matter. Sometimes we justify sin for other sin. What do I mean by that? You can say that you didn't watch porn, but you looked at a woman lustfully, both are adultery. You can say that you've never had fits of rage and anger in a physical sense, throwing stuff around, yelling at people. But how many times have you had envy in your heart for someone else? Maybe someone did something to make you mad. And in your heart, you're filled with rage and anger. There's many things that we do in our heart that may not carry out into physical representation. And those are still issues. Now, I say a long list of these things and I kind of dissect some of these things because I want everyone to understand we all have issues. It doesn't matter what you deal with. Do not sit here and tell me that you do not re- you're not recovering from something because you are. And I don't say that hastily or angrily. I'm just saying 
we have to evaluate the things that, that we're dealing with. And so um, I hesitate to say the word struggle at times because struggle involves wrestling. Um, and we know that um, if I'm at the gym and I'm lifting weights and I'm on that last set and I'm pushing up, if, if you lift weights, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And there's that push and it's a struggle and, and you feel it kind of, you're like, I can't do this, I can't do this. And some of us give up. That is not what I mean by struggling. Struggling is pushing through the pain and pushing up. If we just give up, there's almost a lack of struggle. If you're being kidnapped, there's always going to be a struggle. You're going to do everything you can to get out of that situation. You are going to struggle through it. Well, some of us are being kidnapped by Satan. As Scripture says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we just lay there limp. There's no struggle. There's no fight. There's no want to get out of it. We allow it to happen. Look, some of us see the struggle when we walk around it. All of us do this. And I can also say we all have something that's holding us back from fulfilling God's purpose in our life. You know, there's some things that may prevent you um, from more things in ministry or in life than others, but they're all sinful. The thing that I really want to talk about today is just just simply to say, like, as someone who's been a part of a lot of recovery groups over the years, uh, I've noticed that there's just a lot of people who say, I don't struggle with the big sin, so I'm good. And the big sins, as I've kind of mentioned in the past, is is this would be in regards to alcohol, drugs, lust. Um, We put these, these things in boxes. And we don't realize that there's a bigger picture beyond that. For, let's say, a guy who deals with lust. uh, Well, why? You know, what's the deeper meaning behind that? Maybe he struggles with finding affirmation. And so the way that he finds affirmation is through women or girls, maybe through men. Maybe the guy that deals with alcohol has a lot of pain and unforgiveness in his heart from the things of his past. Guys and girls. Drugs. Or whatever. It's There's always a root issue behind that. We're all um, broken in our nature. And so I can't tell you how many times. I, I, and I don't say this negative, negatively. I don't try to. not trying to beat anyone down. Because uh, family and friends may be listening. But oftentimes I may get the question of. Chad. So how long has it been? Well, typically when they're asking that question, I know what they're trying to say. When's the last time you did this? Now, depending on your answer is the dependent on the response that you may get from them. I'll say this. If you're the one asking that question to another person who may be in recovery or openly says that they're in recovery, Stop. 
And if you are going to ask, let it be for a purpose of restoration. What I mean by that is, I have a guy who checks on me on a regular basis, or pretty regular basis. He may ask, Chad, how's, how's your week been? How's, um, how's the issue that you're dealing with? And I have to be honest with him. But I know that if I'm honest with him, I know he's not going to pull out a bat and beat me down. I know I'll get a text back sometimes saying, man, I'm sorry to hear that. That sucks to hear. And I'm praying for you. I'm going to continue to pray for you. And yeah, there's sometimes there's a time and a place to where somebody maybe needs to lay down their foot and say, hey, this is taking a hold of you. Let's let's uh, take a step back and evaluate the things. But the last thing that someone needs to hear is a lecture. Maybe, I mean, it, there's just so many different things. I, I, I know that um, guys that maybe deal with pornography or women pornography whatever it may be all like regardless if I'm married or I'm not married um but you know if you are married and let's say your wife discovers that you're watching porn or, or doing something you shouldn't be doing um if there is any women out there out there who are married um let me just say uh if the guy's just in complete denial and he is saying he's not sinning and whatnot, then that's a different issue and that's a whole nother conversation. But if he does know what he's doing is wrong, please allow there to be room for a chance for him to repent and to get the help that he needs. Because I can guarantee you that you deal with similar things but in different areas of your life. The problem is, is we've put different things on different levels. And I understand there may be some people out there listening who would say, well, sexual sin has has more consequences than other things. And I would say, yes, absolutely, 100% agree with you. But sexual sin roots from a lot of other things that you may be dealing with. And maybe for some people out there, sexual sin is a way they cope with those other things. Now, I'm not saying that it's right or it's okay I'm just saying, we all have things, these vices, for lack of better words, that hold on to us, that take a grip on us, that the reason we run to those things is because we are searching for a purpose and identity. Whenever you ask the question of how long has it been, or maybe you decide to lecture that person, you say, when are you going to grow up, or when are you going to snap out of it, just stop. I'm pleading with you, please stop. Don't don't put that pressure on an individual as to understand that they are not God. They are simply people who deal with a particular issue that maybe has become cyclical in their life. And I understand it's destroyed their life, but we cannot beat them down more than they've already beat themselves down. Romans 13, 14 says this. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Make no provision for the flesh. There can be so many different ways to take this, but I would say don't speak death over someone who's already in recovery trying to recover. 
don't ask the question of when's this going to end. Look, we're all in a battle. Your struggle is the same as my struggle. And yeah, we're going to deal with it on different levels. But we can't put a greater emphasis on another one's struggles. Let's put more of a focus on the Lord. The moment we create a focus to be centered around one problem, the bigger problem becomes is, you know, the bigger problem then becomes. It, here's the thing. Do we need to address a problem? Absolutely. It's not something we can ignore. However, the more we place on an issue, an issue on the pedestal, the more leverage it could potentially have in your life. In other words, if you're one who struggles with alcohol or anxiety or sexual sin or whatever it may be, if that's all you talk about, you're kind of giving credit to the enemy more than he needs credit for. Now listen, we are no match for the enemy. The enemy comes to still kill and destroy. And without Christ, we are weak. We can't defeat the enemy. But we can't keep putting these things on pedestals. You know, to say, well, I've just been beat down by this or this this week. You're going to mess up. That's part of the process. But, you know, what we do in that process matters greatly. And you have to allow the Lord to work in that and other people around you and anybody who knows somebody who's dealing with the thing. Because really, I don't even like saying other people who's dealing with things because you're all in recovery. Everyone listening to this is in recovery in some way. A good a good example of this is when you turn on the news today, oftentimes you're fed a bunch of junk and oftentimes we focus on the one bad thing. You want to know why I don't watch the news? Because I know it's going to be a bunch of negative stuff. The media in general today is a lot of negative. You don't hear a lot of good things anymore. Because we as a culture were drawn to chaos. We as humans are drawn to chaos. Why do you think there's sin and disorder in the world? Adam and Eve were drawn to chaos. I am drawn to chaos. But we know that God is a God of order. And because of that, our chaotic minds, our chaotic selves have to run to the one who's the most orderly of all. When we focus on one bad thing, it turns into a ripple effect. And it doesn't bring healing. So now that we know we can't ignore it, but we also can't focus on it too much, how should we approach it? Well, this is the part that's not fun. There's a detox process. You know, I had this vision um, a couple weeks ago, and the theme of that vision was detoxification. I looked up the definition of detox, and this is it. A process or a period of time in which one abstains from and rids the body of toxic or unhealthy substances which is the detoxification process. Detoxing can have a few different contexts. Detoxing from alcohol, drugs, substance abuse, 
or simply detoxing the body for weight loss. All of these are detoxing yourself of something that shouldn't be in the body. Regardless, all of these methods are meant to uh, bring healing to the body itself. But based on conversations that I've had with people who've actually been through a detoxing process, they have told me it is not a fun process. It's a process that's quite miserable, actually, because the body is not used to going without this toxin that it's been relying on. What was supposed to help us function only causes more pain when it's got to go. This is a painful process. However, it's a beautiful process. The whole purpose of a detox is ultimately bringing your body to a point of healing. Now that's a physical detoxication. Our souls need detoxing as well. We constantly put things in our minds, hearts, souls. The toxins we put in are sinful. The issue is we're not willing to go to the doctor to address the issue at hand. We go to the doctor and we say, what's wrong with me? They say, well, Chad, it's not a good diagnosis. And if you don't get it under control, it could cause a slew of other problems. Well, let's be honest. A good example of this may be weight loss in order to get blood pressure under control or high cholesterol, etc. Bottom line is a solution we could simply have is we put in the work and start eating healthy and working out. In return, those things will return to late weight loss. What we put in our body matters. Well, here's the flip side. We ignore the doctor's advice because we don't want to give up those delicacies. We know the consequences, but we don't want to give it up because it requires such a sacrifice. However, the sacrifice provides growth and a healthier body. Some of us would rather medicate ourselves to attempt to lower some of these issues such as cholesterol and blood pressure. Not saying the medicine's a bad thing. I'm just saying there's some things that medicine will help maintain, but there's other things such as eating healthy and whatnot that will help take you off those medications. But we use those medications as a crutch to continuously live in those ways. I'm just using weight loss as an example. Instead of doing what the doctor told us to do, we cover up the issue and we just maintain to get by. Well, the issue becomes we believe the medicine will fully mask the health issue. When, reality it do, when in reality it doesn't fix it, it only masks the issue. It only helps you manage it. Now, what's a life to manage sin? Last I checked, Christ has called us to live a life of freedom, to be free. But what happens is we don't want to be free to some degree. I'm going to share this first and then I'm going to kind of go a little further into the vision. Now, as I share this, really really want you to sit back and meditate on this first and whenever this podcast is done I want every single one of you to stop the podcast put on some worship music do whatever you have to do 
to really sit back and evaluate your heart and where it's at right now. Psalms 139, 23-24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me. Lead me into the way of everlasting. Now, if you really look at that prayer, it's a scary prayer to pray because I'm basically saying God expose every junky part of my heart and bring it to the light. It's scary because we're all broken human beings and some of us just don't want to see what's in there. Some of us don't want to have that conversation with the Lord because it requires digging into the depths of our heart. How many of us actually know what's really going on? I know me as a man, I don't like going to the doctor at times because I know that maybe I haven't been healthy and I know the results won't be good. Well, many of us do that with the Lord. We don't approach the Lord because we know that he's going to give us somewhat of a bad report. We ask the Lord, Lord, what's wrong? He then proceeds to point out areas of heart that we need to be worked on. He gives us a manual to help us, a.k.a. the Bible, to keep our minds and eyes on him. He then offers us an IV, which is the blood he shed on the cross to cleanse us. Here's the thing. The IV can clean us out. The problem is you and I go, no, I don't need that. Instead, I'll inject myself with lust, pride, hate, unforgiveness, jealousy, alcohol, porn, sex, rage, Envy, jealousy, comparison. The list goes on. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's body image. Maybe it's codependency. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's fear, anxiety, gambling, guilt, shame, masturbation, overspending, pornography, pride, same-sex attraction, self-injury, sexual abuse, substance abuse. Maybe you're someone that has been deeply hurt in the past or maybe you made a decision in the past such as abortion. Now there's no condemnation in any of this. But we medicate ourselves to cover up those pains and hurts. And these are the ways in which we go about it. Instead of taking the blood of Christ which he shed on the cross so that you and I may have life We take an IV bag literally full of toxins and we inject that into ourselves, and we begin to feel ill. And then not only that, we begin to become numb to sin. We become apathetic. We We begin to not care about the things of the Lord as much. In return, our bodies are filled with these toxins and our body just simply can't can't work like that, can't function like that. It's not meant to function like that. We have to go through this detox stage. We have to get a blood transfusion from the one who shed his blood on the cross. He will cleanse you from his blood but it's a process that's painful. But it's also a process that's healing. And for those of you who maybe say, I don't want to go through a painful process, well, Jesus didn't necessarily want to do it either. He even says, Lord, if there's any other way, he was fully human, but also fully God. 
It was a painful process, but he had to do it so that you and I could have life someday. Anytime you're shedding toxins from your body, there's withdrawals that come from it. You become so dependent on that deadly IV you've been putting in your body that when the IV of Christ is given to you, you aren't sure what to do because you think you've become so consumed with that garbage. You think you're too far gone. Here's a reality. We're in a battlefield. We're going to continuously get shot at. We have a few options. We can whine. Ah, I'm being shot at. Or we can start putting on the full armor of God, as Ephesians speaks of. Ephesians 6, 10-20 says, Finally be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may withstand in the evil day, and having done this, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put readiness, given the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up your shield of faith, which can extinguish all flaming darts from the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints and for also for me, that the words may be giving, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Remember that passage. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, if, for those of you who may want to look it up. I say all that to say we're in a battle. We're in a battle, a constant battleground. I was at a friend. I was at uh, lunch with a friend today. I was talking about how we often, as Christians, we don't think about the the spiritual warfare happening around us. Because the thing about spiritual warfare is there's somewhat of a um, non physical reality that's happening. We were at uh, Roses and uh, eating some food and just having a discussion, talking about things that we're dealing with in our life. I looked at him, I said, you know, it's funny. I said, I look around this room. Things seem calm. We're enjoying our lunch. I said, but if we were truly to take a look at the spiritual realm around us, it would be a mess. For this is a war not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. This is the enemy. This is Satan. 
we're being shot at by fiery darts and maybe we can't see those things but if we were to truly see in the spiritual realm we would realize what if we put on lenses to see that and instead of the next time we go into the place and we're kind of numb to the the things that are going on because we look at everybody, everybody has a smile on their face. Or maybe we ask someone, how's your day going? And maybe they say, good. What if we put on those lenses and we look around the room and we see people that are broken? Spouses that aren't getting along. Maybe a man or woman who's considering taking his life because the pain has just got too big. It's a war ground out there. We think that the physical correlates with the spiritual, but they don't. They're two separate things. Sometimes the physical realm can be just fine. You want to know how I know that? I've seen a lot of people who have great bodies, have six packs. I mean, they're fit. Beyond that, they're rich. They've got every access to anything and everything in the world. Some of those very people are addicted to drugs, alcohol, women, buying things. There's a deeper reality going on. I don't care what it looks like on the outside. We're all dealing with it. This is a battle we shouldn't play around with. We have to switch from a playground mentality to a battleground mentality. This is not a battle where we can put down our weapons. This is a daily battle and every day we have to show up. The more we wind at being shot at is the more we will lay out bleeding, not only affecting ourselves, but also robbing other people of the giftings the Lord has given you. Pick up the tourniquet and stop the bleeding. Look to the general and ask him for directions against tactics of the enemy. If you're in a war zone and you get shot at, you're relying on the soldiers around you. And if I get shot at, I'm relying on another soldier to help me out. But ultimately, we have a general, we have a leader in charge that has studied the enemy knows exactly what's going on. The Lord knows the enemy. He knows exactly how he works. He's dealt with the enemy himself. We look to the general and we say, what do I do next? When you're in a war, and I'm talking a physical war, you need three key essentials. The soldiers around you, communication with the general, and your weapons and armory. Christians, We need three similar things. We need community. We need the body of Christ around us. We need soldiers around us. Then we need prayer. We need communication with the Lord who is our general, so to speak. Lord, what do I do next? How do I defeat the enemy? What is the enemy's next scheme? How do I I navigate this? How do I keep my eyes on you? Then we need one of the most important things is the armor of God. We talked about this in Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. 
You're putting on the full armor of God. Let's remember this, though. The battle has been won. The enemy has been defeated. There's no question about that. But we are in this theological term, what is called the already not yet stage. What I mean by this is, yes, we are free in Christ, and yes, the battle is won, but we are still in the flesh and still sinful. So, all of this being said, please understand again, we are all recovering from something. So anyone who's listening to this, what do we take away from this? Well, obviously the original purpose of this and really would I share all of this to kind of break down why we all need recovery is to step back and evaluate your heart. Maybe some of you watching this need to humble yourselves and start dealing with things in your heart that are just in need of healing from the Lord. Just because you don't have those so-called big sins doesn't mean you don't have struggles. First John says, He who says he is without sin is a liar. We've all sinned. I mentioned this verse earlier, but Psalms 139. Search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, see if there's any grievous way in me, and lead me into the way of everlasting. You want to know why I go to recovery group every week? It's because I know that I'm going to be in a group of guys who are struggling and fighting against some of the same things that I'm dealing with. They're dealing with the enemy. Every week. When I'm confessing things that I've dealt with throughout the week. And another guy confesses and another guy confesses. There's healing that happens because James, the book of James says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. It's a biblical thing to do. When's the last time you confessed your sins? Yes, we do confess our sins to the Lord but scripture says, confess your sins to one another. Maybe some of us aren't confessing because we don't see ourselves as dealing with sins. Oftentimes I feel like Christians will put this front on and say, well, I just want to confess I haven't shared the gospel this week. Well, yeah, we all need to share the gospel. But let's get real for a second. What is it that you genuinely struggled with this week? Did you idolize work more than you did the Lord this week? Did you idolize money this week? Did you idolize your wife or husband this week? Did you put anything on the pedestal above Christ himself this week? If you have, then the answer is you need recovery. All of us need community. Some of us need to humble ourselves and place ourselves in that community to allow other people to speak in our lives as well and what we do it. Next time somebody asks you, how are you doing? How's your walk with the Lord? Be honest. Vulnerability leads to exposing the lies of the enemy. 
You want to know why I did this podcast? I'm the last one that felt worthy to do this podcast. I thought, God, but I haven't had a long season of victory or whatever it may be. I did this because I know that the enemy wants to keep this in the dark. There's a lot of other people listening out there who have things in their heart that they don't want to shed light on. Because it's painful. The enemy wants me to shut up. But I'm not going to. Because I know the moment we start to shed light. On sinful natures of ours. The enemy loses more and more of a grip. He does. Bring it into the light. Again, it doesn't have to be a big sin. It could be anxiety. It could be lack of trust in the Lord. I listed off a long list of other things. There's no judgment here. I'm not asking you to come to me. If you're a guy, yeah, you can come to me. But let's be honest. Stop putting labels on it. Still with the things we need to deal with. And um, I'll be putting a link in the description below just to uh, show uh, some resources that people can look at. Uh, if you are curious more about regeneration or maybe you're just curious about the recovery process in general, uh, feel free to reach out to me at contemporarycontroversypodcast at gmail.com. Um, but there's plenty of resources out there, regardless of what you're dealing with. Um, but bottom line is, it's walking this together. And that is uh, pretty much everything that I really wanted to deal with today. Uh, definitely, it's funny how you make notes and it goes a lot longer than you expect, but we're in 46 minutes of time and so I'm going to wrap up right there and I just want to uh, pray uh, with you uh, before I head off and I would just ask that you would just truly stop whatever you're doing right now and just pray this prayer with me that you know you can pray however you want to pray it but um, allow the Lord to do a work in your heart so let's pray Lord I thank you for this opportunity to do this podcast. And I thank you that you have given me words to speak throughout this podcast. And Lord, if I've said anything in this podcast that wasn't meant to be said, I pray that that would be drowned out. Lord, that you would amplify the things that are of truth to the person listening. God, would you expose the lies in the hearts of the people listening? Holy Spirit, would you bring up to the surface things that are in people's lives that they don't want to let go of? Lord, would you remove any apathetic state that the person may be dealing with right now? Lord, and maybe there's people out there who just have given up all hope. They feel like there's not a light at the end of the tunnel. And would you help that person focus on one day at a time? Lord, help me to focus on one day at a time. 
Lord, more than anything, I pray that we would all begin to have a healthy view of what regeneration of the heart is. Lord, would you help us to keep our eyes on you throughout the week, throughout the day. And I ask you would just begin to allow freedom to really reign in people's hearts. I pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining the Contemporary Controversy Podcast. I hope to see you next time.